Um, thanks for that. That was a sweet time of presence right there, wasn't it? I mean, I'm just glad we have some of the most anointed worship leaders and uh, Aaron who comes drops in and, and things like that as well is, is incredible. So um, thank you for that. But I, wanna, I just really feel I want to pray just for that because that there's just something about we... I never want us just to move on by just through a, a, a church service. That's not why we're here, by the way. You know, I never want us to get just focused on our own agenda. We just pass the presence of God. I want us to keep our, our focus on that this morning. So let's just pray. Just Father, we just thank you for your presence. We just thank you for your nearness. We just thank you that you came and you're here this morning. Yes, you're omnipresent means you're everywhere by default, but God, you come and you show up in your manifest presence and your personhood and your nearness. God, and I just thank you. We just thank you as a house this morning that you, you came and that you're here, God, and we keep that. Help us to keep that the center of, of our attention, our focus. Because Jesus, we do love you. And we want you to get all the glory, God. We want to be a people of you, of obedience and of, of presence, God. That we want to be people that never just pass you by. Never just go, thank you, and then we move on to our next thing. But God, you are the one thing. And this morning I pray, would you, Holy Spirit, come and just continue to reside on us this morning. That you would just come so personally and, and relationally and speak to our hearts and our minds this morning that we would be people that would just know you face to face. Whether you have to hear some hard truths or God will you need an encouragement. Whether this morning as we look at your word, if it's milk, God that feeds us and, and nourishes us or if it's meat, God that challenges us and, and exhorts us to you, God, to lead a life toward you, God. I just pray right now as a people of you this morning, we would not pass you by, that we would keep you our main thing. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to stay. Not to come, not just to come, but to stay. So we keep you at the center of this right now in this moment. Let us be in awe of your presence and people of your presence. That we would be the temples, not only as a house, as a gathering of people, but also individuals. We would be temples of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you turn around and say a quick hello to somebody. Say they look lovely this morning, looking very summery. That their smile suits them. If it's your spouse, you might have to dig extra deep and say you love them and their smile is contagious. And uh, I know some of you have made your way back from your summer holidays. I know some of you have been away, been keeping an eye on Facebook and so on. So it's, it's good to, to have you back and good to, to see you around. I know others have shut off today as well or they're um, doing all their different things as well. But before I go any further, I, I'm really excited to introduce someone to you. Uh, I'm introdu- I love to introduce people all the time. But um, Karis, why don't you come on up? Why don't you give it up for Karis? Yeah, Karis, have a handheld. Um, I literally said two seconds before service, hey, Karis, you want to come up? So I've thrown you on the spot, which tends to happen. But um, Karis is coming to, obviously, intern and journey. A lot of, obviously, across, we get a lot of BSSM students in, and is coming to intern and journey, but also is coming crazily to help us really grow what we're doing here at Dan Patrick. So, Karis, why don't you just tell people a bit about yourself, whatever comes to your mind, just of who you are. Oh. And, yeah. 
Um, hi, it's nice to see you all. Um, I'm originally from Colorado in the States, and I grew up on a farm, so I love the outdoors. Um, your country here is stunning. There's a lot of farmers here, by the way, so oh, you might just be great. right at home. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm just, I'm so excited to get to meet all of you and grow in community and serve however you need. It's just going to be a great year, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. Why Ireland? Because I love you guys. Everything I've heard has just been incredible. And meeting John and his team yeah. um, has just been a great taste of who you are. So, yeah. so look, um, thank you very much, Cash. We're looking forward to... Please invite Cash around your home. Uh, we love to... You'll probably eat your weight in potatoes by over the next couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you might. Yeah, that's another thing which a lot of American guys come over and go, so much potatoes, like five different potatoes on the one plate. So we know how to do it, right? We had a famine, now we're making up for it, you know, so, um, which is what we do. But uh, you're very welcome, Karsh. We appreciate, I mean, we appreciate all of our Americans, but we're going to give you a special plug today, um, which is just, uh, you know, so we, we thank you for your coming. It, it takes, you know, a lot of, and I am going to say this, it takes a lot of um, audacity, a lot of courage to move across the world like that, you know. For us, we just about love getting out of our own wee county towns, you know, but actually to leave a whole state and culture and come, we are different. We are unique. You know, there's nothing much like the Northern Irish, and so we'll, we'll teach you our cultural colloquialisms. If we do start to speak very fast, just say, hey, you're speaking very fast, like slow down, so we get excited. Well, maybe that's just me, um, <laughs> which is true, by the way, but um, please just, you know, Make cars feel welcome at home, and if you ever feel led, even just the financially so, and I know there's probably more things to, to do that and build the pay, so just begin to do that and, uh, and bless our wilders here. I want, you know, I would love to see that. You guys bless well, so that's the cool thing. So, um, yeah, Kingdom Come is, is coming this week, which is, which is crazy, but the ticket sales are, are flying through the roof, and, you know, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of traction, a lot of words that God is speaking just for this week. Now, I know a lot of you are back to work. You gave up your annual leave to come and do iHeart, which I get. Um, and so if you can come, and even if it's just for an afternoon for a day, I'd encourage you just to, there's something special when, you know, not only do we, we gather even, you know, Andrew and Patrick, and we remember the bigger picture of why we're here, but also just different churches and different partners. I think it's something we get to, you know, if you're anything like me, Down Patrick is the be all and end all place to be, right? It's like God here, see when you start to drive in the cross car, God's a wee bit, you know, his presence waters down, right? Which is not theologically correct at all, right? But this is the center of the universe, but actually it's not, <laughs> you know, and there's something that we can get when we're around other people and it, it takes us out of our bubbles and does something, God, that takes us to those. How many of you know God doesn't just exist in your comfort zone, right? He actually wants, there's something about, well, you know, in your weakness, our weakness, he's made strong. There's something about when we step out of that and we go to places of new, you know, the, the, the people we're getting across the world is fantastic. And I am an organic person. I don't want to just, you know, all be about we, we, we receive from people who are outside of our culture. But I want to see God do something that we can learn from them that deposits and contextualizes into this culture that we see society-wide transformation. Now, I could go on and on about that, but if you want to know more about that, go watch our Ecclesia series a couple of months back. So you, you'll get that as well. So over the summer, I just feel like we, there wasn't really any theme. There wasn't any sort of, it was a you know, summer series, free for all, you know, that type of thing. Who, who you know, we, we get it, James up last week, and know Joy was up a couple of weeks back. And it actually just turns out we've sort of stuck along this line of, of resilience. I don't know if you're maybe only catching up with us, and you can catch those on podcast as well. But 
we sort of started looking along the lines of how do we be resilient in a, in a culture or in a, in a even Christian communities where we're seeing leaders fall far from grace? How do we keep running the race? How do we keep, you know, why is it that one person can, two people can go through the same circumstances, but one person is able to withstand the pressure and another one crumbles? And it really, really began, that question just, you know, I began to look at that as I'm seeing people who we all admire and begin to go, why do they fumble and, and fall away? But actually, it's, I really believe it's boiled down to many, many things. But one of the wee recurring themes is resilience. And I don't want to harp too much about that. But as, as I will today, I want us to look at the life of the early life of David when he was anointed king. Um, in scripture. And so if you want to go, if you have Bibles, whatever, we are going to go to 1 Samuel uh, 16 and 17 and a couple of others. Just pulling out, a, there's a lot we can dig in the life of David, but I would encourage you just to do some reading around that as well. A couple of weeks back, we looked at even the life in really short synopsis, the life of Jesus and how Jesus was actually the ultimate display of a resilient life. You know, all of the things that he had come towards him and, and the, the, the demands and the expectations, he was able to withstand that in, in ways that was perfect peace. One of the three things we looked at is that a, re, you know, a resilient life is someone who knew, Jesus knew who he was trying to please and how actually he wasn't just here to live life for the approval of man, but actually for the obedience of the Father. And you can go look back and listen to that. But Jesus also knew his calling. That's what helped him to be a lot more resilient in that he knew what he was called to do so that actually he also knew what he was called not to do. And that actually saved him from a life of burnout and, and you know, how Jesus retreated. And I think James talked a wee, touched a wee bit on that as well. Of, and that's why he really focused on intimacy with the Father and, and going into those fears of our lives. But then also Jesus focused on what mattered. You know, he, how many of you know you don't get brownie points for making sandwiches that God didn't ask for? And so we have to be people that, you know, we, we want to know what he's called us to do and who we're trying to please, but then that saves us from a life of people pleasing, and there's a lot in that as well that you can go, go look at. But today I sort of want to round up or gather just a lot of thoughts that even I have had, but uh, just some things that I really feel like God wanted to do this morning. I really, really felt this morning, you know, even just worship was, was demonstrating of that, but I really believe God wants to tear down some Goliaths in our lives. It's one of the things we were praying about this morning. He wants to tear down the Goliaths in our lives, Mentally, physically, emotionally, circumstantially, financially, whatever it may be, there's glass in our lives that I really believe God wants to tear down. And so this morning, it's really looking at how the long game prepares us for the big game, okay? Is anybody here a fan of board games? Who's, who's our board game lovers? Right, hands up if you love your board games. Yeah, that's it now. Yeah, so hands up. Who, has, who, who enjoys board games? Who's, who's the board game people in the house, right? One of my favorite, I, I love and hate this game, by the way, but because if, if I win, I'm good. I like it. You know, it's one of those ones. Anybody know Settlers of Catan? Oh, Catherine was like, right, right. Okay, I actually think we're doing a board game night. We might do it sometime before the summer ends, right? And you can come and we'll do that here or quiz or something, right? I'll not be playing you then, Catherine. If you're hammered up that quick, you know the strategies. 
But it's a, it's a strategy game. It's a long burner. It's, it's one of those ones that, you know, it can either, it depends who you're playing with as well. You could be done pretty quickly, right? You know, if you're playing with, you know, similar competitive people, then it goes on that bit longer. But anybody also, if you're a fan of, of those long games, like Monopoly's another one. Anybody spent like hours, too, way too long playing Monopoly, and then you crack up and you flip the board. Nobody would do that here, would you? Uh, uh, some of the, but I just laughed a lot too much at that one. Um, right, but have you noticed, and I've been introduced to this in a couple of years ago, was Monopoly have brought in a shorter version. Monopoly deal, right? And I began to look at it and I thought, oh, that's actually a lot better because one of them have to be there for hours and hours and end and actually I get to, you know, you can almost play it within 20 minutes and for, for a similar uh, size of people. But what it began to show me is that society is moving away from those long, slow strategy game or those burner games, right? To actually in favor of the much quicker, you know, let's get it done now. I don't, no, we don't have the patience to play Monopoly, you know, the long version anymore. So they probably realized that their sales were plummeting and go, right, we need to bring out a, a quicker, you know, uh, fast paced game. And I, I, I love that game, right? But it's one of those things that it really has got me thinking, God, even though society, whether it's our attention spans or whether it's our, you know, instant gratification, we're not used to the long game anymore. Everything's quick, everything's instant, everything is at our fingertips, and we've talked about that before. But how many know God is still calling you and I to stay motivated and committed for the long haul? You see, our games and our social medias and, and so on are conditioned us for the quick, the quick you know, game. But God doesn't, and his, and his process and his, his lifestyle isn't actually matching it. You see, someone who lacks resilience doesn't have the ability to last the long haul. They snap, they cave under pressure. But when they go on, it gets tough that they lose heart. They lose their tenderness, their softness, and their commitment and their hunger to Jesus. You know, some of you, you know, even in today's society, we know that if we take a photo, like Hannah and I, it was our one-year anniversary, and I'm going through all old photos, and I'm like, Hannah, can I post? Yes, she, Hannah does deserve a round of applause. Absolutely. I think she does, right? You know? <laughs> But we're sitting up, we went for breakfast, lovely fry, it was nice. I can't remember the name of the place, but we'll give it a plug. It's near Kilkeel, somewhere on along, right? Um, somewhere that direction. And uh, we're sitting in the car park, and like, you know, people are like posting all about, you know, it's one year anniversary, and like, you know, some friends and family don't really know. So you do that obligatory, you know, let's, you know, get a photo, snap it, put it up, and, you know, we do it that quick. And we live in a, in a generation that we can take a photo, you can become an influencer overnight, you can become, you know, What's that word? Viral overnight by taking a quick photo, uh, snapping it, hashtag, whatever it may be, send it off, and all of a sudden people all around the world know about it, right? That's pretty good. But how many of you are old enough to remember that when in the times we had a disposable camera, right? And if you wanted to get a photo, is when you had to go buy a disposable camera, you took photos, and you hope you took the right photos because you can't see it. You know, it's not like you can go swipe through and see. And you had to bring the film to the chemist to get it developed, but you had to wait like two weeks or something for it. So they would take it, they would, I don't know the whole process, but they would dip it in chemicals and they would leave the film in a dark room, right? Some of you are now going, I remember those days, right? How far we've come. And it is that thing where, you know, in that generation to get a photo, to get, or even us as before, like the instant Polaroids, remember that changed the game. But actually it was, our, our, to get a photo, we had to go through a process of development in a dark room. See, maybe you're here and in a time of your life, we are not seeing the results that you've hoped for right away. Maybe you feel hidden and unseen like a, like a film in that dark room and you've become demotivated because no one sees the work you're doing. Anybody felt like that? I actually want to suggest something. 
that anonymity and obscurity, which simply means, you know, unknown or hiddenness, is actually a gift from God. And I really felt like God spoke after we had a really, you know, quite well-known, you know, wig of eye hurt and so on, that the Lord spoke to me, says, anonymity, being anonymous and obscure, is a gift from me. Like, like that film being in a dark room, it takes, t- it takes time in the unseen by others is actually a blessing by God. But in our culture, you know, that is obsessed with being seen. You see, that is, our generations are being obsessed with being seen. It's the belief that something is only worthwhile done when others see it. Yet God calls us not to despise the hidden moments of our life, the opportunities to refine our craft, to develop our character in the hidden places of our lives. It's the places where you get to grow where no one else can see you. It's the hard work when no one else is watching. And it's the service that's done when no applause will ever be given. That is a blessing from God. You only have to look, and like we're going to, at the life of King David in Scripture. I want to ask you this. Where was David when God called him? He was serving in the field in animosity, or not animosity, uh, anonymity. He was unknown and and unseen in in the field. And when the prophet Samuel, and we'll pick it up, was sifting through David's uh, brothers for Israel's next king, David was out in the field looking after the sheep. If you want to go to your Bibles, you'll see in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it might come up on the screen. It says, do not look, this is God saying to, uh, to Samuel, do not look at their appearance and physical stature, because I have refused to make a decision on this basis. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance and God sees the heart. God not only knew David's heart, he knew that he was the one, he knows of the ones who are faithfully serving when no one else is watching you know God sees you when you're doing and no one else sees it? You see, God wants to build your faith and character in the hidden and unknown places so that as you serve as no one else sees you, he can create a character in you that will be sustained when the spotlight comes on you. Let me say that again. When you serve when no one else can see you, God wants to create a character in you that will, only be, that will be sustained when the spotlight comes on you. This is because if the character that is in you is not greater than the spotlight that comes upon you, then the position you're in will actually begin to overwhelm you. This is why we see so many leaders fall from grace. And in a culture that is obsessed with the popularity gospel, I want to say this. God wants to build resilient people, not popular people. He's not here to build big ministries. He's here to build big and resilient people. And actually, I love in Matthew 6, 6, where Jesus told his followers to go in to the hidden places of the rooms to pray. I really believe for many reasons there is, but one of the reasons that Jesus was saying to do this was so that they would value the work done in the unknown and hidden places of their lives. And that, they would va- that their value wouldn't be in how many people saw it. See, Jesus wanted to instill in his followers to raise up leaders that they lived a life for an audience of one, not the crowd. Do you know that Jesus has called you to live for an audience of one? Him. And not the crowd. Not the culture around you. Yet if we think about our spiritual development or our maturation as those fast-paced board games, we will only look, and we should look to the promises of God, but we only look to the promises of God without ever embracing the process of God. How many of you know you can't get to the promise of God without going through the first the process of God? 
Because our culture is obsessed with a dopamine hit, obsessed with the get it now, because we want to receive that. I'm talking to Hannah, I think I have to go through AA for, for my phone. It's like, how many of us are addicted to it? You know? But the first, the first thing of overcoming is first admitting you're an addict, right? Because we love getting that bang, you know, I've turned all my, you know, my notifications off. Hannah's like, you ever just turn that thing off? But we build our lives around it. Why? You see, maybe God has you hidden in your job, in your calling, in your family life. Do we see that as a gift? Because like King David, he served quietly in the field. It allowed him to develop the skill and character fitting for a future king. Think about that. God had, hit, had David hidden so that he could build the skill and the character that would be fitting for a future king. That's perspective. That's the long game. That's knowing that every moment is of purpose. Every season has a learning outcome. And nothing's ever wasted. And like I said, we need to look around. We only need to look around and see the people that are falling from grace or those who never live up to the expectations. That, do you know we are the ones that create celebrity culture? We actually are the ones and we are feeding into that system. Now, I'm not here to, well, maybe start a revolution. I never know. But, you know, it's one of those things that we are actually creating that. I've been listening to a podcast all week. I would encourage you. I'm not here to ever use the demise of someone else in a, at, a, at a pulpit. But there's a, anybody heard of the rise and fall of Mars Hill? I know a lot of you guys. Mars Hill was a megachurch in, in the States, you know, in the early 2000s. I'd encourage you to listen to some of that stuff. It's incredible from a, a leadership perspective. But, uh, you know, there's things we can learn. And the grace of God, thing, it's just it's a, another thing for another time. But over, you know, even in our lifetime, we're seeing so many people fall from grace. And I believe... It's because they didn't have the character to carry the mantle. So the role of the systems that they had created ultimately overwhelmed them. That when they, the systems or the, 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 the ministry that, that began to grow, they didn't have the things to, to be able to carry it or to keep up with it. And we get so focused on becoming popular than become resilient. And there has to be a perspective shift. I mean, we all know the scripture, right? It says, Luke 16, 10, it might come up. It says, whoever can be trusted with a very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. One of the main reasons I believe God chose David was because David was devoted to God when no one was watching. And we have to be careful not to fall into the trap of thinking that something is successful based on how many likes it gets or how many people see it, like I've just said. You see, success in the kingdom of God is not based on metrics. It's based on obedience. Think about that. I, I am such a, even as, as you, know, you know, leaders in this church and, and in the community, we are, we, and metrics aren't bad. Numbers aren't bad. I do play the numbers game, I'm going to admit. It's not necessarily bad because I want to see everyone come to know and encounter the power of Jesus. That's, that's okay. Scripture does use metrics. But it's not our goal, obedience is. I want to I talk about it like this. If you build a history with God when no one's watching, then God will build a history through you when they are. We are called to build history with God so that then he will change history through us. Now, I know that may be going well. You've been talking to me about staying hidden, but now you're talking about, you know, changing history and being written in history books. The history books are not our goal. It's, it's in the hidden moments. You see, every move of God, every revival started with a small group. This is a small group. We're in the first box. 
right? Who are faithful to pray and to seek God when knowing you. You see, we look at all the revivals, and I, I want to say revival in our town, but we look at it with hindsight. We only look at it with hindsight, but, and we look at the beginnings, but nobody ever knew the beginnings of a revival when you're in them. You know, the small beginnings, right? And then they grew. And I love, I love the story of uh, John Wimber. John Wimber, a lot of you will know, it was, you know, the founder and co-founder of um, the, the Vineyard Movement, uh, Vineyard Church. And I love specifically when John Wimber is obviously known for healing ministry and, and saw thousands and countless of, of, of healings and actually activated, I would say, a generation through the move of the Holy Spirit uh, everyone gets to play a part. Uh, and it's, it's affected even, you know, streams that we are in and, and Bethel and Iris and a lot of, you know, modern day getting the, getting to, to play a part in, in the kingdom of God. But there's one instance where before John Wimber even saw the, the masses of healings that he did, there was one time as the Lord was speaking to him, you know, over a number of years about, you know, obviously going after healing and doing stuff, as he says. But there's one recorded account where, you know, he, in his church services, he would pray for healing all the time. Every, every week he would aim to pray for healing. And he prayed for healing for 10 months every week without fail. I first said 10 years and then I Googled it and realized I was wrong. I was telling everybody 10 years. That sounds a lot better, doesn't it? It's like, if he can do it for 10 years, but it's actually 10 months uh, in this account for this specific reason. And he never, each week without fail, he prayed for, for uh, the people to be healed and nothing was happening. And he was coming, you know, in, in some of the books and his accounts, he says he was becoming, you know, disillusioned and disappointed. He was upset. There was time where he was in church and he was like, God, this isn't fair. And, he, and he's having a fight with God. You've promised that we do this and you're not showing up on your part. And you can read some of the, the honest accounts. But then there was this moment in his ministry after 10 months where there was a member of his church. Uh, his, I think it was his wife was sick. And... You know, he's like, you got to come, you know, got to come and pray for her. She's in the hospital, she's sick. I can't remember what the illness was. And he goes out of pastor obligation. And he's like, one, this is great that I'm being asked, but two, oh God, oh God, oh God, as, you know, Wimber's always known to be saying. And he goes in and he prays for the lady. Uh, she's in, in bed. And, and then he immediately turns around to the husband to say, to explain why people don't get healed. Okay, so after just praying, he immediately turns around and starts to come up with a the theology of why people don't get healed. And the husband's looking over, his shoulder, over Wimber's shoulder at his wife as she gets up out of bed and is well. And Wimber turns around and is like shocked. Because what is my point? Well, it doesn't matter one on our gifting and our skill set. It matters on, on God's faithfulness and mercy to show up. But Wimber, not only from that point on, but in, in, in his ministry, that, but then began to see 50 people, at one point, 50 people a week healed. He saw in over a three-month period, 700 people baptized. And at one point, his church attendance was 3,000 a week. Now, I'm just using metrics, all right? But the point is, there was a process long before he got to that. We often only remember the pivotal, defining moments of our life, and we need them. I long for them. I've had defining moments in my life, and I know you have too. But just before David was about to face his Goliath, listen to what he said in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37. He's talking to Saul. He says, your soul, your ser- Speak, David's speaking to Saul. He says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. 
and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught a band's beard and struck it and killed it. Imagine wrestling a lion and a bear, grabbing it by the beard. What did you do yesterday? Imagine that, right? And then 37 says this. I mean, I just need to get to the lion, but that's not my point. 37 says this. So the Lord who delivered, this is just as David's about to face Goliath. Just so the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Listen to the faith. Listen to the history. You see, it was only because David developed a history with God that he was used to change Israel's future. You see, just like David, we need to face our lions in private before we could ever face our glass in public. We're, we have to face our lions and our bears in private, overcome them before we will ever face our glass. Because if we don't, we will never develop the faith and the skill needed to overcome our glass. You may be here today, like I said, and you're facing some challenging moments in your life. Maybe you moved halfway across the world. Maybe you're being stretched emotionally, going through challenges relationally, or facing obstacles vocationally. You see, God doesn't allow them to punish you. He's using them to prepare you to overcome the future Goliaths in your life. Think about it. God allows the lions and the bears to come because he's got a Goliath up ahead. We don't like when the lions come. But God's called you to break through and overcome. And if we could see the long haul perspective, like a resilient person does, we begin to go, oh, God's going to use us. You see, God loves you so much. Think about it. He loves you so much that he will use your current challenge for your future resource. So that your future battle that you will go through will not overwhelm you. Your current struggle will not be for no reason. God will vindicate what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for your good. God will vindicate your circumstances, your situations, the years that the, the locusts had, turn around and vindicate you so that was meant to destroy you will actually resource you. James 5, 7 to 11 says, Therefore be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets as an example who spoke the name of the Lord with their suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed, those who endure. John Maxwell says it well. It is only in our testing do we ever discover the depth and the nature of our inner character. It's only in your testing, it's only in your struggle, will you realize how deep your character and skill is. But you know what I've come to find in many, many years as I've seen a therapist? It's actually we're capable more than we realize. Do you know you're capable more than you realize? Mentally we give up because we want the fast pass action game or we get the, the hit now. But God said, no, you can endure more. Not all about you, it's about God in you. But we're capable of more than we realize. You see, resilient people are those who withstand pressures because of an endurance mindset. Because like I said, no challenge is wasted. But remember this, no hidden fight goes unnoticed and no preparation is ever without a purpose. I believe one of the purposes 
that God brought out of the hidden seasons of David's life was that David gained an assurance of who God was. He got an assurance of God's faithfulness. Listen to the language. If God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he'll deliver me from the paw in the midst of this Philistine. Imagine saying that there to big Goliath. Your dirty mitts, God's going to deliver me from you. I mean, that's just egging someone on. But it had to, you know, had to, God, or David knew the faithfulness of God. But also from that trust, David had developed the understanding of who he was himself. In 1 Samuel 17, 30, you'll see, it says this, that Saul clothed David with Saul's own armor and a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. Listen to this. I can't go on these. I can't face my Goliath and these. David said, I'm not used to them. So what did he do? He took them off. You see, as David was about to face his Goliath, as you and I are about to face our Goliath, he didn't compare himself to how Saul was trying. To, he didn't compare himself to Saul. He didn't try and walk in it as Saul walked in it. Instead, he picked up his shepherd's staff, as it says in verse 40, and five smooth stones on his way to face Goliath. Because he, David knew comparing himself with others will rob him from his ability to walk in God's call to him When you compare yourself to others, whether it's as a parent, and I know a lot of your new parent, some of your new parents in here, and you're comparing yourself with how other people raise their kids, or maybe you're here and you're retired and you haven't, you know, got that retirement plan the way others may have it, or maybe you're here and you're, you know, raising your family in the middle of it all, and, and you're you're not doing it the way you feel like, or whatever it may be. Do you know when you compare yourself to others, you rob yourself of the God's potential in your life? Yes, we need to learn from others. But when we value the process God has us in, we will be better positioned to utilize his potential. And it's from that that David got the confidence and the story goes on. It said, David prevailed over the Philistine with a slingshot and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. You see, David came to know that the sling and the stone that he used in the field, that he used as a shepherd, proved vital for his overcoming Goliath. It was in those hidden times of David's life that God was resourcing him for what he was destined for. It's in those hidden times of his life that God was resourcing David for what he was destined for. And it's actually sometimes in our hardest seasons that God is preparing us for our, with our greatest resource. You may be wondering, how can I develop a prayer life? Should I develop a prayer life? Should I just keep reading my Bible in private? What's the point? Or should I serve and do the, the tasks that no one else sees? Because God can only use what you develop in private to overcome what he has for you in public. When you make history with God, it's only then he can change history through you. I want to invite the guys back up. I want to ask you the question, how did David overcome his Goliath? Process and preparation were key but it was actually the presence of God that was essential. You see, for David being led to overcome Goliath, it actually started way before the verses I just read out. It started back in 1 Samuel 16. It said that Samuel took the oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. David went back to working in the fields, by the way, before then he was called to Saul in the distressing spirit, and then 
you know, to obviously eventually on the Goliath. And we, the story of David goes on, obviously, that's not for today. Ultimately, it was the Spirit of God that helped David overcome his Goliath. You may be here this morning and you have Goliaths in your life. Emotionally, there's Goliaths. Vocationally, in your job, there's Goliaths. Physically, there's Goliaths. We yes need to be faithful in private in order to do it in public, but we actually have to encounter the power and the presence of God. And I really feel like God came this morning because that has to be it. That we have to get hungry. This week we've kingdom come, but it starts now. Our prayer starts now to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know his kingdom is not something out there. It's his presence coming in here. I want you to stand and I want to invite the ministry team up because here's what we're going to do. I know some of you only knew and you're like, I don't know anybody here. But you know you will only overcome the glass in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the, the Spirit of God that breaks the yokes. It is the Spirit of God that breaks the chains. And so I do want to invite the ministry team up. But here's what I want you to do. These guys are going to play in the background, but I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come. I want to ask you, are you going to ask for the Holy Spirit this morning? Yes, we have him in us, but it's his manifest spirit coming upon us that we talked about through the laying on of hands. I don't really have a theology for that. I went and studied, but there is just something about when we do the laying on of hands. And in our culture, we're very good at going, I'll just go into my room and I'll ask for the presence of God to come. But sometimes we need to just come and allow others to minister to us. So I'm going to invite you to come forward. And we're just going to, these guys' prayers are very simple. Come, Holy Spirit. Come as you face your Goliaths and overcome your Goliaths. I'm going to, if you are, you need to move. And if there's not enough, come forward right now. If you're hungry, just come forward to these guys and, and come out of the aisles. Here's the rule. You have to move from where you're sitting. As these guys, and he's going to pray with a bit of time, finished early on purpose. And we were hungry. So Holy Spirit, right now, if you want to receive, put your hands out or hands on your heart, whatever it may be. Holy Spirit, come. As you come forward, Holy Spirit, minister this morning in your power. Holy Spirit, come. You love your people so much that you don't want to leave them at the mercy of a Goliath. You want to bring their Goliath to the ground. And God, we never have to face our Goliaths on our own. Because you're here and you want to come in your power. Empower us to move forward and move through life. And if you're feeling the Holy Spirit wanting to come right now, Holy Spirit, come. Minister to your people. And if you're feeling something of the Spirit, or if you're not feeling come forward. Just right now. If you're hungry and you want more, step out. He will meet you. He will not leave you or forsake you in those moments when you come and you ask. Right now, Holy Spirit, come. That's good. Be brave. This is a safe space. Don't worry. I'll tackle shame when anybody tries to invoke it on you. Holy Spirit, come.
in your power. We don't hype it up, but he's, he's here. He's, we met him this morning. Come in your power. Or if you're, you're, I know these guys aren't too, but I'd encourage you just to come stand at the front. Come to a new place so that he can do a new thing in you. Just as an act. Out of your seat right now. Move however you want to. That's it. God, come and meet us in power this morning. We're hungry and we need you to anoint us. Come Holy Spirit. In your part.